Welcome to Polycast, a civilization podcast focused on game strategy. Canis Albinas. Makalua. The Man Team. Mega Bears Fan. Good morning, internets, and welcome to Polycast episode 368. I am one of your regular hosts, Mega Bears Fan, along with Canis Albinus. I'll get it done sometime, I promise. Makalua. Still trying to figure out why the heck I had my TV set to turn on this morning and wake me up. Ah! It's to watch those Saturday morning cartoons. And the me and team. Finding some of those frozen tundra cities since before some of you were born. Oh, that's oh, actually true. <laughs> Even yes, for Candace, that's true. Yes, it is. Not quite. Were you founding Tundra Cities at the age of seven? Pretty close. Pretty close. No, I was finding enemy Tundra Cities to finish them off. Oh. I think I was a little older than seven. I by think some you're... of you, I meant our all listening audience. Not That that makes more us. sense, because I think I'm not seven years younger. Than... Yeah, I'm not quite. I'm not, I'm not quite. It's not quite my birthday yet. A couple days yet. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. More age. <laughs> another year. <laughs> well, that's true. It beats the alternative. Anyway, we have an August patch or update. Well, it is a patch, technically. A patch and an update. Uh, we do have everybody, of course, this is where Symphonetics is very great. They di- dissect everything in the video for us. So, uh, when the, let's see. Wonder Picker, when you're doing the games, because there's a lot of them, uh, achievements that are dependent on you having the wonder in the game, and you might not know until like 100 turns in whether it's there or not. We're meaning uh, national wonders specifically in this context. Natural, yeah, yeah. Yes, natural wonders. Sorry, sorry. Should have said that. See, that's interesting. Was there a way to filter out like AI civs and leaders? Because that's something I've been wanting for quite a while now. No, and that was the first thing that was mentioned in the the Twitter replies. Okay, can you do that for city states and leaders next? (laughs) Yeah, could you? That would be great. And then. Yeah, go ahead. Because when you need to do, like, oh, what was the whole one where you have to do the Indiana Jones thing and you need another specific AI to be in there? It's like. Well, you can put specific AIs in the game if you go to advanced settings. What I'm looking for more of is, like, way to filter out certain leaders because it's like, okay, I'm tired of playing against Alexander. Or even if I'm picking a random leader, it's like, okay, I don't. I don't want to pick a specific leader, but I don't want this one leader that I've already played as like five times before, you know? So I want to filter out that one and then pick any other random one. Or I just want to pick one from the new DLC, or I just want to pick one from the latest expansion, or I just want to pick one from the vanilla game. You know, filters like that would be nice. And when you're doing the random assortment of AI against you, uh, yeah, you're so sick that you said, uh, like, or... 
Ethiopia is so powerful right now. It's like, can you not? <laughs> yeah, please don't give me Grand Colombia and Ethiopia. <laughs> yeah, not the same game. Oh, God. <laughs> what, what, what was that achievement in Civ Five? You had to um, pillage an Egyptian burial tomb with an archaeologist, with a German archaeologist in within two tiles or something? Yeah. It was, it was it very complicated and involved. I think everybody that got that set it up in a multiplayer game, had a friend, and then they swapped sides and did it for the other person. Well, it's either that or you just like set it all up in World Builder, maybe, and then just play. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did that I for ha- a lot of strategy guide testing, and I think I got an occasional accidental trophy just because I happened to set things up so that I was like, you know, like some of them are for like pillaging improvements with a specific unit, like unique unit or something for the unique units that are specialized for pillaging and hit and run attacks. And I accidentally may have gotten a few of those just by setting things up in World Builder just to like test how it all worked. Oh. You know, guys, you could make any sort of randomization setup you want in an Excel spreadsheet. Chalala. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to Excel spreadsheet my Civ game. Mostly yeah. because that would require me to install a version of Excel that could run with hex grid. I mean, you could just use the freebie. Uh, software that's like Excel anyway. It's not like we have very involved formulas for this sort of stuff. Speaking of which, is there such a thing as Excel for a hex grid? I don't know. That's I don't a know very specialized I think hex grids still have like an XY coordinate, so it just works a little different than a regular XY Cartesian coordinate. It is definitely something you can do with other programs, but I don't think Excel can do it well. And, and I think in the case of of Civ of the Civ games, I think it's a lot actually a lot easier to map the hexes to an XY coordinate grid because it is a rectangle. It's not like we're playing on like a soccer ball or something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it, it is literally just rows of hexes. So you just number each hex in each row, and then tell what row it is, and you have yourself a grid. Civ maps are kind of like those signs in the UK that have the footballs on them that, even though they look like footballs, would not be possible geometrically because of the amount of space shown on them. I forget which ones those are. No yeah, idea so you what could, you're talking about. <laughs> you can RNG sort the leaders and just not pick the ones that you don't want as you go top down. And not only that, you could put this right next to your microplanning uh, uh, spreadsheet work. So it's great. Uh, Civ on one screen, spreadsheet on the other. Oh boy! I already yeah. do that though, when it's not a Civ spreadsheet on the other monitor. Well, it, what do you mean? I have a spreadsheet open on one of my other monitors. That's just like this is the amount of things you have to pay attention to while this is going, and they are not Civ related. They are more. This is the number you need to watch at this point. You know, statistics stuff. But I have the Civ game going on the other monitor because I'm bored. Well, in that case, you'll just have to add a new tab to your spreadsheet. Civ microplanning. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, need to, you need to know what one turn you're planning to finish that Oracle Wonder, for example. Well, it's always turn 40, isn't it? Not always. You might be able to shave off even two turns if you uh, chop with that worker. 
Well, you're not going to be able to chop the forest fires last longer. Well, if you chop down all the forests, the forests can't burn, can they? Uh, well, you're not chopping down all the forests in the world, because the AI still has forests, and the forest forests will still last longer. Hey, that's another thing in this update. <laughs> that is true. We never it... did find out whether or not they fixed the thing where satellite strikes and forest fires became um, uh, natural natural disasters only, because they disappeared from the base game after the Ethiopia patch. I don't know how I feel about forest fires lasting longer, because again, we're thinking about turns and the scale of turns. <laughs> scale of so, turns. like a four-decade forest fire is a little much, I, in my opinion. California the last 20 years? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and we, if you, if we keep counted California's annual uh, forest fire type stuff is one forest fire, I guess. And as, as, I've exp- yeah. as we've explained many times before, it's not one single necessarily forest fire that lasts for 500 years. Mm-hmm. It's that this is a period of time in which there were more than usual or more severe forest fires than normal. Same deal with the hurricanes and the tornadoes and all that stuff. <laughs> Heck, even but a even volcanic eruption on the scale. <laughs> oh, but that that's that does happen if there's a bad drought for like 50 years. I mean, what, Australia is going on, like, I think has been in a drought since, like, what, the mid-90s or early 2000s? I think technically so is California, although I think California maybe has had, like, a couple of years where they've technically been out of drought, but then, like, the next year they're right back in it. California is weird, though. California's climate is not typical of where, of what those of us on the western side or eastern side of the country would think of as normal. Well, and it also wouldn't surprise me if California was originally like discovered and settled, you know, by European colonists uh, during a time in which it was particularly wet and fertile, and they just assumed that's the way it always was. Yeah. And then it went back to a dry normal and then an even drier drought. And, like, people keep expecting and hoping it'll go back to being the way it was 200 years ago. And it's like, no, that was an exception of the rule, not the rule. People forget that that as much as we like to think the climate is very dependent on us, sometimes it just does what it wants, and we can't do anything about it. it yeah, it has its own cycle, although we're messing up that cycle a little bit, but it still has its own way it wants to go. We're definitely not helping. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> We are unhelping. Other new game mode thing, you can get a tech and civic shuffle, which it's basically what you do and how you get stuff in the future era, but applied all the way down the tech tree. But they're also making it blind, right? Or that's a separate setting you can use. So you can have randomized uh, tech. I think that's they're the same setting. Okay. They're blind. I I wasn't sure if they were tethered to each other or not um, when I was watching. I think it's both it would be cool if you could do them civics. separate. Like it would be cool if you could do random and see everything, or do blind and well, random. <laughs> There's no point in doing blind and no with a default tech tree. But I yeah, don't there, remember. There was a Go similar ahead. thing in Alpha Centauri where you could make it. You just had to put your research into a certain category, and you didn't know what you were going to get. So in replays, it made it. Uh, it's like adding in a little bit extra difficulty once you've gotten fairly decent at the game. You could throw that in, and it would make it more difficult. Because 
there was always a certain optimal path you wanted to take, but this forced you to do things differently. Well, that was a huge part of their design, though, because there's a lot of strategy that interacted with that. Like, certain factions were more likely to pull certain classes of technology, and that was part of the training game as well. My experience is a lot lot of... of um, My experience has been that a lot of Space 4Xs have uh, randomized uh, technologies, or semi-randomized technologies, anyway. Or the option for it, at least. But we're not getting that with this. This is, I believe, my understanding is that we are getting the same text. They are just going to be shuffled in terms of prerequisites and what they lead to. Yeah, and they're still in a tree, you know, same and still broken up by eras. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you're not going to get, like, fusion tech as your, like, third option. Well, I, feel like, I feel like the design of the game, because everything comes out of the tech trees, it kind of has to be that way. Oh, yeah. yeah the game would totally saying. break. <laughs> Yeah, it would be very difficult to do otherwise with the game already built. <laughs> and and even with with shuffling techs, you know, even in in the small a small scale as in eras, like it's still possible to run into issues with like unit uh uh upgrade paths and and requirements and prerequisites and stuff like that. Because there's there's some cases where, like I don't know, is it, is it now possible to unlock swordsmen before you have unlocked iron? Is is that something that's possible now? I would imagine it probably is possible. Yeah. But you still wouldn't be able to build them until you found the iron, so... Yeah. Right. I guess it's giving a shuffle mode, so you... Maybe to help you not fall into the, I'm going to research the same things in the same order every time. Because it does feel like, like, when we do the multiplayer game, with a, a couple of exceptions of, t- uh, depending on, like, which Civ I get, and I'm just plugging in like the next like four or five or six texts like uh yeah just go through this and get back to me later and the same thing with the civics go go through this little tree and get back to me later you know so this might force a little more prioritization i guess yeah i've talked interestingly you can like trade for iron and build swords without knowing where your own iron is in that scenario I yeah, think, this I think you can do that. I think you can do that even in in normal. Like if if the other AIs are accumulating resources, I think you can you can buy and sell them. And you can also if if you're a if you're suzerain of a city state and the suzerain has unlocked it and is improved it, I think you get the resource as well, even if you have not revealed it. I don't think so, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, because the the symbol doesn't show up up in the corner until you know what the resource is. Well, in most cases, it, by default, you would have the tech for the resource with that before you get the tech for the unit. Uh, although that's not true for oil stuff, right? Oh yeah, because we have the one great leader, great person that gives you that. Yeah. Oh, you're right. So I think I'm wrong about what. About what I just said about it only being uh, visible once you know that. I, I think it's it an is. I think it's an or thing where if you've revealed it or you have some of it because you can also get resources from uh, goody huts now. So every now and then you walk onto a goody hut and it just gives you like ten or twenty horses or iron or something like that. And if you capture a city that has an oil well and you don't know what an oil well is, I don't think it destroys the oil well. Uh, Isn't you there just a, a well there on a blank tile? 
Okay, if you if you if you're at war with a civilization that has an oil an improved oil resource, and then you capture their city, but you don't know what oil is, does it destroy the resource or not the resource the improvement? I don't hmm. think it does. I don't think so. I think there's just a well there and a blank tile that does nothing for you. Well, the well might still generate improved yield because I think that's just inherent to the improvement, whether the you can see the luxury or the resource under it or not. But yeah, that's an yeah, interesting probably. edge case that I don't think yeah. I've ever actually come across in the game, usually because I'm ahead of the <laughs> AI civs and, and all that sort of stuff. By the, especially by, by that the point time in the game. Oil, by the time oil shows up, you're either in charge or... Or I've restarted the game. <laughs> or you're dead, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> pick one. <laughs> but yeah, I've been... Uh, in the last few episodes, I've, I've talked about how the scenarios or the little custom modes that they've added, uh, the secret societies and the, what was it, apocalypse mode, didn't really appeal to me all that much because of how you know fantastical they are. But the this tech and civic shuffle is something that I might actually play. Well, that's good. Everybody, see, see, there's something for everybody. Yeah, they, they finally came... I, I'm guessing this is one of the ones that they talked about as being uh, one of the historical-inspired ones, I guess. Def- certainly the closest mode, we've... Uh, isn't it? Or is it just an option? I think it's just an option. Yeah. Oh, like in the advanced settings or something? I think so. Okay, well, either way, uh, it, it is more likely to get more play from me than either Secret Societies or Apocalypse Mode, which I still have yet to actually uh, play either of those. So, Apocalypse Mode is really fun. You just have to remember, don't settle on rivers. Right, <laughs> unless you have the Great Bath, and then you could just exploit the heck out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> and then some. Uh, we also got, uh, what is this? Unspecified government plaza changes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's like, we're changing to these to government plaza. You gonna tell us? Now you can find it when the patch happens. Maybe they added more than just two buildings to it? Well, there's three for each era. Or for each government type. Maybe they're adding a fourth building for the fourth tier. It'll be more yeah. interesting when we find out what it is. Yeah, I was going to say I hadn't gotten that far, that far in a game in a while, so I was like, oh, that's right, there is a tier four. And his other... Uh, oh, other... Government Plaza. I was thinking of the, the, the new district, the... Uh, what the heck was it called? Diplomatic, diplomatic Plaza. Yeah, diplomatic. I, I, I was thinking yeah. of that one when I said more than adding more than two buildings. Yeah, it could use a third building, I agree. But I don't know what the heck it would be. Or at least some alternate options, you know, for the two buildings that are there, so you actually have, like, a choice to make. And a bunch of events also unspecified. Well, we've made some balance changes. You want to tell us about that? No? Okay. It's in patch notes. All right. <laughs> we'll find out when the patch comes out. We can read the patch notes. I liked how they, they did the second tweet that was like, okay, besides disabling the Cliffs of Dover, what do you want to do first? <laughs> do people not like the cliffs of dover this is it's apparently the most hated natural wonder in the game because it's it looks like you can improve it but you can't and it gives worse yields than a regular tile oh well yeah no natural wonder should give worse yields than a regular tile like that's i don't well, know man their mountains are not high yield no but usually the mountains have other bonuses like matterhorn gives you the uh Alpine bonus. And a lot of the mountains have adjacency that they yields that they mm-hmm. give to the tiles around them, so... That's true. 
it kind of annoys me when you can't build an aqueduct to a, a mountain. I mean, personally, whenever I think my biggest issue with the Cliffs of Dover is that it's even harder than usual to build a national park on it because one of the tiles is likely to be in water and the game won't let you build national parks in water. Just one of the many, many, many ways in which the national parks are just way too restrictive in Civ Six. They should be able to be rotated. I, yeah, I, actually, I, I think what they should do is they should just give the naturalist four charges and you just put the national park tiles on whatever tiles you want as long as they're adjacent to each other. That would be about like what they're doing in Indiana with the great with the na- uh, national dunes. They're just buying random property and making it part of the national park, even though it's not contiguous at all. Yeah, well, in, in the game, it should be contiguous at least, and it should be like each naturalist should do like one, you know, national park. So the one national uh, naturalist has to have all four tiles, you know, be connected. But uh, that, that's that how would... I would have liked to have done it, and it, it should be able to spread between multiple cities. It should not all have to be owned by one city. Although I think, like, one or two patches ago recently, I think they changed the way that city uh, tile ownership works. And it, because I I remember for years, uh, once a city annexed a tile, that tile belonged to the city, to that one city for the rest of the game. Like, you could swap which city worked it, but it still technically belonged to the first city that owned it. And it looks like they've actually changed that now so that if you swap what tile is working the city, it also swaps ownership, which has made uh, things like uh, chopping, like you have more control over what city gets the yield from the chop, and uh, it has made uh, placing districts and national parks a lot easier because you can actually change what tile owns the city before you place the thing. Now, does it still keep that. original borders when it comes to conquered territory, however? Or does that change, too? Well, I think just when you conquer the territory, you get whatever city or whatever tiles the city currently owned, I'm assuming. I don't know. I, I haven't like, I haven't seen the code. I don't know. I haven't been able to test that. That seems like it would be an exceedingly difficult thing to test without like having some kind of debugger running, telling you what's going on under the hood. Well, you could... um the way you would test it is you would control two sieves and you would take the first sieve and swap well you would make a save and then you'd conquer the city and then you'd load the save and you would swap which city is being is holding the tile right uh, and see if that changes the borders after the conquest compared to the, the yeah, first go that, that would be one way to test it well there you go phil you just gave yourself homework that's true i could do that i'm not sure i will but i could do that I was only Start asking because I'm curious, time. right? Like, you know, if you guys had observed that, but if not, well... Yeah, we'll I, I don't know. I haven't uh, specifically tested that. But I've, I've noticed it in single player, is I'm suddenly able to do that. And I don't know when that happened, but it happened sometime around when the first New Frontiers uh, uh, DLC content came out. Because I, I noticed it while I was playing around with the uh, Maya because I was wondering, like, how hard it is to optimize district placement with the Maya when you're packing the cities in so tight, and, like, the cities just start annexing tiles. And I was like, like, oh, crap, am I going to, like, screw myself over to where, like, I can't build districts in certain places because, like, the wrong city annexed the one tile, you know, that I need to put that, like, theater square in between the four other districts? And then I was playing around with it, and I was like, wait a minute. It's, like, changing which city owns the tiles. It didn't used to do that. Maybe it was added when the Maya DLC came yeah, out. Possibly, it would have I, been required to fix it. 
<clears throat> yeah, maybe. But I was like, oh, that's nice, because I was about ready to, you know, write into my little strategy guide thing that I'm still working on about making sure that you buy the tiles that you want for each city. And then I saw, oh, well, I guess that's irrelevant. So it's not as big a deal. Once you place a district, though, you lock in which city owns the, the tile, obviously. So that I don't know if that was documented anywhere, but uh, it was a, a surprise to me when I played as the Maya. I didn't see a document. Yeah, I don't remember that in any of the patch notes, but I admit if it was like just a one line thrown in somewhere, I might not have caught it. I don't want to claim it's not there, but yeah, I don't remember it. Is that all we have for the update, Mackie? Yep, that's about it. It was mostly about the tech shuffle and being able to select the winders and then a bunch of, we'll tell you in the patch notes later. And they the patch comes out on the twenty seventh, they said. Yeah, so that would be what? Let me look at the calendar. That is Friday, next Thursday. I think. Thursday, yeah. Thursday. Makes sense because that's the patch day published day for everything, so Okay, so is that Pot Warney? He's uh, on Sif Fanatics, and he's talking about. Um, well, actually, this topic should probably come after the second one, but we're not going to do that because it's already where it is, and I've already started. But there's been notice that people have started seeing um, the Firaxis logo on all the different Civ leaders, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But during this process, people got interested in looking into the SDK assets from the dev uh, tools on Steam, and they uh, discovered some interesting stuff. Like, there appears to be things that we did not expect to be in the code. There's this guy that looks kind of like a pope. I think that's what they eventually decided he was. He yeah, was the head of a pope. Speculation that he might have been intended to be, I think it was Innocent the se- Second. And they found references to the city-state of Genoa as a separate sieve. And they were thinking he might have been the, the leader of that sieve. Could have been leader of that. And then there were also, like, what 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 is the... My brain is not functioning properly. Um, assets from a Popeye-like character, because it's like a, a sailor hat and a pipe, and <laughs> they were just kind of floating there in a, in like it was attached to a head. Someone then, su- suggested it looked like Douglas MacArthur. I'm speculating yeah. maybe it was supposed to be like an early like 3D model for the Great Admiral. Well, they eventually did discover that that was a personal project of the modeler, and it showed up on his um, art design. Or it's, it's a website that does art on its uh, that people post their art to. I forget the name of it exactly, but it's like a deviant art type thing. Ah, you know, this is making me sad now that we don't have a papal state sim in the game, because that would be hilarious. Artstation.com. You know, that would be interesting, considering all the stuff we've got going with religion and how you, 
how we can be super powerful in the game, it would make sense to have a papal state type of a thing. Uh, you could definitely make a papal state, like, and put flavor for it in the game. I don't know that it's a good idea, but you could certainly do it. Well, with how well-received uh, Venice was in, in Civ Five, I'm really surprised we didn't see a, a civilization, you know, a, a playable city-state, you know, sort of uh, civilization in Civ Six. Yeah. There's still time. Yeah, there still is. Maybe that, yeah. that'll be uh, in one of the New Frontier DLCs. But I, I, was, I was really surprised it didn't show up in vanilla, considering, like I said, I, like my understanding was Venice was really popular in, uh, in Civ V. Oh, that time in our multiplayer games where <laughs> I random Venice and then I decided to open Honor was great. Yeah. That's <laughs> still one of my more fun memories. There's always also the classic, oh crap, it's a lake. Yeah. Well, so that's one of Canis's. No. No. Yeah. That's not me. I promise. It's all Canis. Uh. <laughs> I was so excited to get my boats out and it was a lake. I'll <laughs> <laughs> just build a canal, obviously. Well. Uh, yeah, in this game you could just build a canal, but back then, nope, not so much. Not back then. So yeah, there were um, references to an archaeologist lead space archaeologist they call Archie um, and then they were able to put the the skin because there was just flat textures of skins and they were very creepy because when you put them on a model the eyeball was the top of the head very Lovecraftian but, yeah the oh. guy they suggested he looked like Churchill or maybe Khrushchev um, and then they eventually decided his name was Frank and that he was probably just a test from the early part of the game. But it was still very interesting. Because they also found like a, a model of Catherine that was labeled as for marketing purposes only. Huh. Weird. And they found clothes that they aren't sure who belonged to. And they also discovered that the Gandhi model doesn't have toes. It only has slab feet. Huh. Well, you don't see him full length at all? I'm not sure. No, you don't see him in game, but... Yeah. Uh, honestly, none of the leaders even need to have legs below, like, the knees. Because you don't ever see them, so... And they were finding art assets for people from the movies. Like, the the daughter in the movies. You mean like 3D uh, models or? Yeah, the 3D model of the daughter that shows up in the Fraxis opening, uh, the, the Civ opening video. Yeah. They found her clothes. And they originally thought, well, maybe this is an unused leader. And it turns out it wasn't. But the more interesting thing that came out of this whole discussion was the part where they found uh, Fraxis logos on all the Civs, Civ leaders. Yes, uh, apparently that's a thing. Every single Civ, I guess, has a Firaxis logo hidden somewhere on its clothing or jewelry. Uh, I haven't seen pictures of all of them. I, I know this. I think this started on Reddit with someone who circled it on three liters on Frederick. Uh, uh, what's your name? Gijara? Is that how you say it? Of uh, Indonesia, Indonesia. Yeah. and uh, Jayavarman from uh, Khmer. Yeah. And I like. I guess people are went and dug further and said, uh, "No, it's on every leader. 
somewhere. So, you know, have fun uh, looking for it. Uh, this actually was suspected years ago, and um, we didn't have the dev tools then. And now that we have them, they figured out, oh yeah, it is on all of them. I, I think Some I remember the when the Khmer and uh, Indonesia, because they were, I think, in one DLC pack, and like they both had it like very clearly. And there was, yeah, wonder people were wondering at that time, though, does just every leader have this on them, or is every leader going forward going to have it on them? The the funny thing was this got re brought up not because somebody made a post somewhere, but because the Civ Twitter actually tweeted to a picture about it. <coughs> it's like here, here, here's a hide and seek, or not hide and seek, but where's Waldo game for you? Find all the logos on Frex logo on all the leaders. <laughs> yeah, scavenger hunt. It did finally turn out, I believe, that some of them were literally impossible to find because they were hidden by the geometry. Like, yeah. I believe... Um... Oh, who was it? Maybe one Wilhelmina? was painted on Gandhi's missing toenail. No. I mean, that would be funny, but no. Uh, I think it was Wilhelmina. It's like the top of her umbrella. Yeah, you're never going to see that in-game. Well, maybe. I think she does have one animation she where she, she holds yeah. it out in front of her. She does hold it out very briefly. I think like when you first meet her, she kind of puts it down in, for just a couple of seconds. And I think but also if, if she gets mad at you or there's a declaration of war, I think she like closes the umbrella and like points it at you or something. I think Eleanor's is inside the cup she carries. Yeah, I don't think she has any gesture that would ever let you see the inside. I think there's a couple of them that are functionally behind the camera, according to this person. I don't know how that would work, but... Yeah, I'm trying to think of if there's any leader that's, like, holding something that's always behind the camera, and I can't think of anything. Unless they're talking about, like, like Montezuma, I think, has, like, a giant staff or something like that, and, like, maybe the only time you would ever be able to see it is if he pointed it at you, but it, maybe if he points it at you, it goes behind the camera. Yeah. And then uh, a Manator and Lady Six Sky similarly have a spear that might, you know, work similarly, but I, I don't know. I haven't gone it looking for them. It tends to be so. on golden coins. Yeah. If they have, like, a gold medallion, it tends to be the Firaxis logo. Where else would you put it after? Just showing that the game is in an alternate universe where Firaxis controls everything. Well, we already knew that. <laughs> yes, but more proof. Now, the in-universe has noticed that. Now, the community's homework assignment for me is to go find out if there's a Firaxis logo on the model of every wonder. Oh, All right, gosh. there. Go, no. go find me that. Oh. <laughs> All the national wonders. There's like a little uh, a traffic sign on uh, the Golden Gate Bridge that says, you know, Firaxis, two miles. But that's the wrong side of the country. Yeah, whatever. For access 6,000 miles, whatever. In that case, Phil, I segued you to Wonders. Okay, so... This is... 
Wonder Tier List by uh, Potato McWhiskey. But fortunately, looks like uh, Tiki Pie made it in text form, so you don't have to watch the whole video uh, to see the tier list. However, it's been a while since I've seen this um, tier list video. My understanding is that he was reading this in the context of Deity Games. Yes. Um, so this will be colored somewhat uh, from that, because there's some wonders that you just can't realistically get on high difficulties. Or that they tend to be aren't worth they tend getting. to be lowly rated on this list. Yeah. Yeah, even though like in a vacuum, if you could realistically attain them and uh you, you didn't know that you were going to fail to get it if you tried, you it might have been a little higher on the list. Yeah, I might go to would probably probably be the uh Colossus. That's like a free trade route. And, you know, trade routes are really good. But that's way down in, like, Tier 5. I don't know that it's free if you have to build the Wonder for it, but... Well, I mean, there's other bonuses for the Wonder, too. But it's, it increases your trade route capacity, which could otherwise take a while to do. I mean, districts are also pretty expensive, and then you have to build the market as well. So is the Colossus really all that much more expensive than a commercial hub or harbor with a market or lighthouse, and then also spending the time building the the trader unit. Yeah. Although there's the risk you lose it too. And it's also at a totally different part of the tech tree. So, you know, you can get to, uh, what is it? Is it, is the Colossus with sailing or is it with the uh, shipbuilding? Uh, one of those, but it's like, you know, you don't have to go through currency to get that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm not too good uh, with memorizing all the wonders because I usually build the military units wonder. So There's I don't know a, where they are in the tech tree. In our document, there is a second link that goes to a list of wonders that has all their stuff on it. Yes, okay. very helpful, because this uh, web post that we're looking at does not have any descriptions of what any of the wonders do. I see. So. So, okay. Tier 1. Uh, Oracle, Pyramids, Colosseum, Mausoleum, Akila, uh, Kasiwani, Forbidden City, and Ruhr Valley. What do you guys think? Those are all pretty good. Uh, I don't know what Museum of Halicarnassus does. It's changed several times during Civ Six's life cycle. I think right now it's something like bonus great admiral points, and like every water tile generates culture or something like that. Is this the is this the current list you've uh, linked? I looked it yes. up here. So. It is science, faith, and culture on all coast tiles in the city, and all great engineers have an additional charge. Yeah, at one point it used to be like you get a free great admiral, and it was crap. Yeah, yeah, it's changed a lot. I was a little surprised to see, uh, like, when he was going through, but then <laughs> they, he talked about it a bit, and I'm like, that's not what I remember this doing, yeah. I, I do remember him mentioning it in the video, just because I remember it being terrible, and then he put it high, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> but yeah, these bonuses are actually pretty good, so... Yeah, they are now. I, I do think it's interesting that uh, the Colosseum shows up in Tier 1, but the uh, uh, Estadio uh, do Maracana shows up in, in Tier 3, even though the you know stadium is like the same thing, but better. I guess well, just because it's a late game wonder, it's not as good to have. It's late game. It's very expensive, and you have to build the the stadium to get to it. 
Yeah. Whereas the Coliseum, you only need the. Do you only need the actual the district? District, or do you need the building, the arena? Yeah, you, also? I don't think you need the arena. I think you just need the district. But I, I think all the other land adjacent to entertainment complex, or with a with no. an arena. Yeah, you need the arena. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say That's I think all the fall. all the other like wonders that require a district, I think, also need the first tier building in that district as well. Like the great library needs a library and and so forth. The Colossus only needs a harbor district. District. Yep. Yeah. The problem I always have with the Colossus is that. Uh, I I always try to build my harbors like adjacent to sea resources, so I would need to like harvest them in order to build the Colossus, and it's like, eh. Then I lose my yeah, adjacency. Ideal... Yeah, so this the is... ideal placement for your harbor is not the ideal placement for the Colossus a lot. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the uh the Colosseum's high ranking, this is going to be a trend throughout this, is that Wonders that are available earlier in the game are going to be rated higher, and in, in contrast to availability, you know, relative to AI tendencies, that's going to be hold true for every difficulty. Uh, things that actually confer a benefit for a larger percentage of the game and influence your snowballing are just going to be inherently more valuable than things that come later in the game. Yeah, except like anything for Renaissance and later, it's just inherently going to be worse than classical except of course for stonehenge great bath and hanging gardens because good luck building those on any difficulty above like king <laughs> yeah but if there were like if you could get them they would be higher yeah if Basically. you could get them i mean obviously they're they're good particularly the hanging gardens uh but yeah like good luck so if you could get them ironically all three of those wonders are in the sixth and seventh tiers yeah, I yeah. think Hanging Gardens deserves to be a little bit higher just because I think it's a very good one. But yes, on uh, higher than King difficulty or higher than uh, Emperor difficulty, good luck building it. Yeah, uh, he plays on Deity, so... Yeah, I, I mean, I've that, started... Wonder basically doesn't exist from his perspective. And that's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's, well, that's how it goes. The, the one thing, though, is that for something like the Hanging Gardens, that's one that you can take from another player and basically get the full benefit of it. Uh, like yeah. the, the Stonehenge is different because the Stonehenge gives you that immediate benefit of the Great Prophet. So once it's built, there's no point in taking Stonehenge from someone else. But Hanging Gardens and the Great Bath, like, you can... If your next door neighbor builds it early in the game and you take it from them, you essentially have that bonus for the whole game. So I think that could also warrant moving those up maybe higher uh, if you take that into consideration. Yeah, uh, you do get a little bit of faith from Stonehenge. It's not completely worthless to conquer. Well, right, but yeah, the, 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 the majority of the benefit is gone. The bonus that makes Stonehenge it. worth having... Is you know, which is basically being able to found a religion for free, is you know something you don't get if you capture it from the other player. And also, since in Civ Six you don't get the bonuses of having a holy city by capturing the other player's holy city, uh, you know it's again like not worth. You know, I mean, if if you're going to capture the city anyway, then capture the city, right? But you're you're not going to. It's not going to be like, oh yeah, that city has Stonehenge. I need to get that city. That is something I missed from Civ Four, by the way. As the uh, yeah, well, holy city status. The, yeah, if I take the holy city, why can't I start spreading their religion if I didn't make mine? Yeah, in Civ Six, if you did not found the religion, you ca- you are eliminated from religious victory. I mean, you can still spread the religion, you just don't get, like I said, the benefit of... Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think you get the founder bonuses, and I don't think you get the uh, ability to uh, win the religious victory. Yeah. 
it's okay. I, I I do think that given actual history and the relevance of holy cities and everything, it would have been, it would have been cool to still have that be a thing in the game, controlling uh, founding cities of religions and such. But whatever. Yeah. I mean, you kind of would also think that maybe capturing all of the holy cities would also be a de facto religious victory. I mean, you're you're probably like one or two cities away from a domination victory at that point anyway, but it, it, you kind of won religion if you control all the holy cities. Anything but, else to say about the tier one wonders? I mean, they're good. <laughs> I never they're get probably to build- good for a reason. I never get to build Ruhr Valley. That's one of the late game wonders that the AI does always beat me to. Really? Yeah. I well, for one thing, I never plan for it. Like I always forget that it's there, and I don't plan for it, so I don't have like a readily available place to put it. I, f- I forget what its a, what its requirements are. It needs to be adjacent to an industrial hub, and there's like something else. I don't remember what. On a river, built along with a river. factory. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I tend to build my industrial hubs like in the middle of like mines and quarries and stuff like that and then they're not adjacent to the river uh although i have been shifting that to to focusing more on building dams and aqueducts and then tucking uh industrial hubs in between those so that might put me closer to a river assuming that i didn't build the dam or aqueduct on that tile which is the other problem that i've been having lately I gotta say, even in my data games where I'm like doing conquests, River Valley is one of the few ones that I tend to pick up with some reliability. Like, I don't think the AI is too quick to get that one. Yeah, like I said, it's just I don't plan ahead enough for it, and I don't have the the district set up for. It. Like I said, in in the games that I've been playing recently, if I'm if I have an industrial hub that's next to a river, there's a dam or an aqueduct on that river where the River Valley would be. So, oh, fair enough. Which is, I mean, also pretty good. It's like a, what, that's like plus four adjacency for the industrial pub uh, altogether, and much earlier in the game, so I'm not, it's not really a loss for me. It's still pretty good district. Okay, so tier two wonders. Temple of Artemis, uh, Mahabodhi Temple, Petra, Chikanitsa, Mount St. Michael, oh, Michelle, sorry. Eyes are bugging out on me a little here. St. Basil's Cathedral, Big Ben, Oxford, Eiffel Tower, and Cristo Redentor. A lot of victory-dependent situational wonders in that list, but they're all good for their victory type. Yeah, and I think that's why they went down to Tier 2. It's because they're they're very, very good in situations where uh, you need them, but then if you don't, they're just kind of eh. Yeah, these are well, all of like of the... Uh, terrain specific ones. You've got the you know the Petra being the desert one, the Chichen Itza being the rainforest one, uh, Saint Basil's Cathedral, which used to require tundra, but they removed that requirement. Even though I think it still buffs tundra, it's basically tundra Petra, unless they change the bonuses of it too. Saint Basil's Cathedral does it does buff tundra. Yeah, but it I, also gives three relic slots and 100% religious tourism in the city. Must be built on an adjacent. Uh, must be built on a tile adjacent to a city center. Yeah, when that wonder yeah, first premiered in the, in the game, it, it required a uh, tundra tile adjacent to the city center. So it was basically just uh, tundra Petra, and then they removed that requirement and I think added the relic slots because I, I guess people didn't like having a tundra only wonder. 
I thought oh, it made sense, Admin, but Admonson Scott. Yeah, that one I think is specifically snow. I I don't even think that one is is all that great on a uh, tundra, but I could yes, be wrong. Yes, it's snow and snow hills next to a campus with a research lab. So good luck getting that. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's some AI cities where you could place it. It's super but easy yeah. to build. The question is, is it worth it, putting a sitter? Yeah, the, the question is well, whether it's worth putting a city in the place where you would need to build it. Maybe it'll finish before you finish the game. Yeah, that's what I was going to Yeah, that's the other thing, too. As expensive as it is and as not a lot of production sometimes you have with the cities where it would be placed where you could put it, and since you would probably only be considering it really late game, yeah. Okay, tier three. Great library, Jabel Barkal. Hagia Sophia, Alhambra, and Garwat, the Petito Palace, Venetian <laughs> Arsenal, or Shiaz. Uh, oh, there, yep, there's, the, there's, the, uh, there's the research station here in Tier 3, so he, he actually has it pretty high. And then Estadio de Marcana, Americana. Yeah, I'm surprised to see the research station as, as high as it is. I, I wonder what his justification for that is. Like, I watched the video, but it's been so long. <laughs> Yeah, it's I remember really watching good the video. If as well. you can get it, but getting it is the hard part. Well, right, but I mean, didn't like we already say earlier that that pushed things like the Hanging Gardens down way low? Like, I would say the um, the research station has the double problem of it being hard to get and also being so late in the game that it's like irrelevant. Yeah, it is kind of late game. I guess he put it where he did for science victories because if you're going for science, you're going to be going through the tech tree pretty decently. And then this is just a nice pick up the shave turns as you close it. Well, it is plus 20% science and 10% production in all cities. Yeah, that's like this is not like Civ where uh, multiplicative modifiers are like Civ 4. Like, you, you had lots of multiplicative modifiers in Civ 4. Right. And Civ Whereas six, in Civ 6, that's not that common. Like, that's a really strong bonus considering. And, and most of the wonders in Civ 6 also have their bonuses that are specific to the city. So, the, the handful of wonders in Civ 6 that provide global or empire wide benefits uh, are pretty rare and therefore pretty powerful. Like, I think in Civ 5, Petra was, uh, wasn't it like every desert tile in your entire empire got buffed by Petra? Or was it still yes. just the one city? No. Yes. It, you know what? It might one have city. still just been the one city. Or maybe it was originally your entire empire, and then they nerfed it to one city because it was too dang strong. For I don't remember know. it being all, but I might have missed that part. So yeah, I could see, like, if you're pursuing this, you would have no trouble beating the guy to it, even on Deity. Because, like, you would need to invest in a city to the point where it has production for it. Uh, but that's worth it for the, this kind of benefit if you're going down that late in the tech tree. I think the bigger surprise for me in Tier 3 is the Venetian Arsenal. I mean, yes, it's like double units, but like, are naval units really all that great? That this I, I think his rationale for that is like it's either worthless so you don't build it, or it's freaking amazing, uh, top tier wonder on some ma- types of maps, yeah. in which case it's an obvious play. But even so, then, if, if you're on an archipelago map, like uh, a lot of times, you're probably already going to have the navy right in place by the time that this wonder comes into play. So I'm still questioning like how much benefit you get from it. The big, the biggest benefit I guess I could see is you build a bunch of stock naval units and then you combine them with your older units for cores and or not cores and armies, but uh, was it fleets and armadas uh, more easily? 
uh, yeah. is probably the the best use for it. Yeah, doubling out that when you doubling out into fruit, getting your frigates and then doubling every frigate you're doing and then turning those into fleets and armadas and you know it's still good even if you had a navy to start with because it lets you be an even stronger navy and sometimes on the deity when I've watched other people play because I don't play deity that often but you need the extra strength. Yeah, I'm just wondering if like how in how many games is that like really going to be so good that this deserves to be as high as tier three. I mean, I well, probably situational though, right? Yeah, like so, when it's good, it's really good, and otherwise you ignore it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I'd probably only bump it down to tier four personally. So it's not like I'm saying it should be like tier seven. It's crap, but I, it's. I think it's a tiny bit high for me. But I don't know. That's, maybe it's just me. And I like building navies in Civ Six, so you know that's coming from someone who you know that unit or that uh, wonder is like you know right up my alley, and even I'm like, eh. Fair enough. If the uh, AI got better at using navies, then I'd bump that up. So Tier Four Terracotta Army, Mianakshi Temple, University of Sankor, Great Zimbabwe. Casa de Contracion. Oh my god, I cannot pronounce that properly. Concepcion? <laughs> no. Con- uh, Contracion, I think, is how it would be. Concretion. Concepcion? That extra A is just hard for me to parse. Uh, Taj Mahal, Bolshoi Theater. Those are the tier fours. Terracotta. Honestly, I don't know some of these do offhand. Terracotta is an interesting one. Yeah, the Terracotta Army is an interesting wonder because it's one of the ones that is really good, but it's also really difficult to use effectively because it is the one-time bonus of every unit you own gets a free promotion, like, instantly. So if you build the Terracotta Army at a time when you don't have very many units, because it's it's available fairly early in the game, it's, uh, I want to say, is it bronze? Is it as early as bronze working? It is very early. It it is pretty early, and the AIs go for it pretty reliably, which means you do kind of have to, like, you know, not necessarily beeline straight to it, but you've got to, you know, be planning for it, you know, right from the start of the game and get your uh, encampment district out early and make sure that it's, uh, I think it requires a, does it require flatland or hill or something like that? I think this one requires flatland and Alhambra requires hills. Uh, Black grassland or plains adjacent to uh, encampment with a barracks or stable. Yeah, so if uh, if you build it too soon, like, you basically don't get any bonus from it. Or, you know, the bonus is, is pretty negligible. Uh, and then if you wait too long, then the AI beats you to it. So it's a really, this is a really tough one to, to balance. All archaeologists from the owner may enter foreign lands without, without open borders. Did not know that. It's interesting. Not usually hard to get open borders with the AI, but... I mean, if you're warmongering, I guess, then uh, good luck getting any deals with them because they just instantly denounce you as soon as the previous denouncement wears well, off. If you're warmongering, you have a way into their lands without right. open yeah, borders if, if anyway. If you're warmongering, you're not sending archaeologists anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess that's also a, a very victory-specific one. So it, it's weird that this is also one of this like weird thing where it does like two very different things. Yeah. And it's also, like, the longer you delay it, the better it is. So that's also an interesting interaction with that one. Right. 
I don't know. I, I feel like the AI gets it fast enough that I don't care about it in most cases, but it is nice. Oh yeah, it's, it is very good if you get it and you already have a sizable military. And one of the things that's worth pointing out is it also it's not just land units. I think it gives the promotion to like naval units as well. And I guess hypothetically it would give a promotion to air units, but... Uh, the, this this Min, Minakashi Temple is a faith thing. That's why I'm not too familiar with it. <laughs> Isn't that the one that gives you warrior monks? Mm, I thought warrior monks were... Uh... It gives you two gurus. Oh, gurus, okay. Yeah, Warrior not monks come from the other wonder, don't they? Uh, it's just one of the know. other ones, yeah. Maybe it's the I was never it, impressed by the religious combat units. It's the... Shoot. Kotoku Inn. I think it's tier 5. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then I think the Mahabadi temple was like free apostles or something like that, which if you have a religion is really good. I think it's two free apostles. And, and also two victory points. Right. So, yeah, you, you can enhance your religion twice or, uh, you know, send them out to convert a couple cities real quick. So the Mahabadi temple is really good, like probably the best religious uh, wonder in the game, which might be why it's, you know, up there in tier two. Oh, and Mont Saint Mikel is also in tier two, which is like the best religious wonder, but not really religious wonder, because it's the wonder that gives your uh, your the martyr promotion to all of your apostles, so you can just suicide them, and then win a culture victory. Yeah. <laughs> Very good with Ethiopia, by the way, the Mont Saint Mikel, because you're going to have enough faith to buy apostles to just suicide for free relics and still buy enough apostles to convert people. Well, you're probably doing one or the other, though. Yeah, but you could do both because Ethiopia gets that much faith. Anyway, okay, where were we? Anything else standing out to you guys? You know, Not really. Yeah. Okay, now we're, now we're getting to the bottom half here. So, so tier five wonders: Apadana, Colossus, uh, Huey, Tiokali. That's probably not pronounced correctly. Close uh, enough. Kotoko in Statue of Liberty and Broadway. A mixture of things that are just kind of mediocre and things that are too late to be. Relevant. Yeah, broad, Broadway way too late. I mean, if you're trying to do culture, you should have been gathering culture a lot sooner. It is one of the rare places for you to put a uh, uh, great work of music, though. Which is uh, helpful. Yeah, there's not a lot of places to put those. I mean, it's basically broadcast centers, and I think they only have one slot each, so... Yeah. Uh, I think the Bolshoi Theater might also give you a music slot. I don't remember. I believe so, yes. Man, how the Statue of Liberty has fallen. It used to give two free settlers, so I think it's better now than it was then. Wait, was it two? I uh, no, it was... I'm thinking Civ 4 days. When it I was thought it was a good four wonder. free settlers. It was really good in Civ 5, too. But yeah. Oracle's still rated highly here. Oracle's fantastic in Civ 4 as well. I think the bigger fall was the Great Lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I remember that one being like super awesome in Civ Three, where it let all of your units just cross oceans. It was even better in Civ Four. Uh, yeah, to the so, point actually, where like only the Apostolic Palace was more broken, probably. Yeah, in Civ Four, I think it was something like plus one trade route in every city or something plus like that. Plus two trade routes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> on coastal mm-hmm. cities. Yeah, it was uh, the broken of brokens. Especially because you could abuse international trade routes or like settling on an, an island or whatever, and then all of your domestic trade routes were at least to commerce. Yeah, it was incredibly good, just incredible. But probably not as broken as the Apostolic Palace, still. But well, Ap- Apostolic Palace was basically just a free I win. Yeah, I win button. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Civ can or should replicate a wonder of that strength. What you mean? It's not your favorite wonder because it ends the game earlier. <laughs> yes, but you're the, giving us mixed signals. It only um it only ends the game earlier if your opponents aren't trying. <laughs> Stop being such a hypocrite, Phil. <laughs> it does not give the nation in the strongest position the uh, the win. To put it mildly, it kind of breaks the rest of the game. <laughs> I'm kind of curious what uh, what Potato McWhiskey's uh, justification for like actually separating tiers five, six, and seven into three separate tiers when tier six only has two wonders in it. Like I feel like those easily could have just been thrown into tier five or tier seven and and collapsed. Well, he he started with the um, the S through F thing, and then he oh, just yeah. kind of placed wonders relative to each other. So yeah, I mean, there's going to be some arbitrary stuff here, right? Like some stuff in like at the high end of F is going to be very close to E tier. I, I mean, I, I probably think... doesn't grade them that differently in practice. It's just where he put them. Yeah. Again, I think there's a lot of really good wonders in tiers five, six, and seven. I, I think some of them are maybe being unduly punished for for being early in the game and hard to get. But like Colossus again is a free trade route. Uh, I think Machu Picchu is also a free trade route. Uh, which... Machu Picchu is not a free trade route. Machu Picchu gives all districts adjacent to mountain adjacency for those mountains. Okay, maybe it, maybe in Civ Five it was a free trade route. I don't think it was a wonder in Civ Five, was it? I think it was, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, all right then. Maybe Machu Picchu's not as good as I thought it was, but I, I still think Colossus is is better than uh, than Tier Five. I think Colossus is certainly better than uh, Huey Tiakali. Well, I think that's another thing about it being uh, the timing and yeah. also that people trying to get it versus the AI. It's like, in a normal game or a, or a lower level game, sure, it would be a lot higher, but for a day any game, <laughs> good luck with that. Right. Yeah, and Great Bath and Stonehenge and also Machu Picchu are pretty much down here at the bottom because, you know, you're never able to build them on, you know, uh, immortal or deity difficulties. The AI gets Machu Picchu ridiculously, like, soon. Like, it's it's in, like, the late a late classical tech, and, like, somehow the AIs are always building it, like, long before I even have the tech for it. Machu Picchu was plus 25% bold from all trade routes and city connections in oh. uh, Civ Five. That's right. That was actually pretty darn good. Yeah, I remember being really good in Civ Five. I was thinking it was also similarly good in Civ Six, but I can never build it because the AIs always beat me to it. 
And then, yeah, down here we have the, the poor, lowly Panama Canal and Golden Gate Bridges, which are uh, functional wonders, you know? Yeah. They, uh, they, they, they do things. They do what they're, uh, what they're supposed to do. But uh, good luck building either one of them in a place where it's actually useful. Or rather, in a place where it's meaningful. Yeah, especially considering how late into the game they they show up. Yeah. Pretty uh, pretty useful IRL, but not for winning a Civ game. Right. Although, yeah, they're cool at least. One of the biggest on people. one of the biggest obstacles that I have to building uh, canals is that the places where canals uh, would be like the most useful are hill tiles, and you can't build canals yeah. on hill tiles. And I'm, I'm, I, there are, there have been I've, there were many games like early on in uh, Gathering Storm. I think was the one that added uh, canals. Many games early on in my play with Gathering Storm where I would like plan for building a canal on a tile, and then I would research steam power. And it wouldn't let me build it there. And I'd be like, what the heck? And then I would notice it was a hill. And I would check, oh, can't build canals on hills. Dang it. I've been planning for that all game. I feel like the Panama Canal should be allowed to ignore that restriction. Just because of how challenging it was to construct in real life compared to other canals. And we're pretty sure it went through a few hills to get there. Yeah. I mean, that's a game restriction as opposed to a real-life restriction type of thing, but it's the same time. It's like, come on. Well, the, the, yeah, the terrain through Panama there is was, was not conducive to making canals. That was quite the engineering feat. And wasn't there a bug in Civ Six where either canals or the Panama Canal allowed naval units to enter mountain tiles and, like, pop out anywhere it else was... on the map? And it was, I think it was the Inca's specific uh, special mountain tunnels, but somehow you could run naval units through them. I w- I don't remember. Maybe if the city was adjacent to it or something. Okay, yeah, I, I was I was thinking it was canals that were doing that, but you might be right. It might have been the, the tunnel. I remember it being Incas. Yeah. Well, yeah, the the mountains behaved as canals, is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite the tunnel of love. What the heck does the Great Lighthouse do in Civ Six? I don't remember the last time I built the Great Lighthouse in Civ Plus Six. Plus one movement to all naval ships. Hmm. You also get a few. Yeah, you get plus three gold and an admiral point per turn in adjacent, in addition to that movement for naval units. It's okay. I think the reason he has it quite that low is because the AI gets it pretty fast as well. Yeah, it also has the problem for me of the same issue with the Colossus of I built my harbors adjacent to sea resources for that adjacency bonus, and now I've got to harvest one of them in order to build this and not necessarily be guaranteed to finish it. Uh, I also tend to really like the wonders that give you extra policy slots, and uh, because of that for me personally, I would maybe move the Potala Palace up one tier, even though it is a diplomacy slot, which is generally not that good. But uh, it comes at a time in the game where I'm building spies. So it actually comes at a point in the game where that extra diplomacy slot actually is really useful. So I would maybe move that up into tier two. But uh, that might just be a personal preference for me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's quite as good as most of what's in tier two. And then, and then Alhambra also is the free military slot, which if you're running... Uh, one of the non-military governments for most of the game, you know, your classical republics and so forth, uh, 
having that military slot available to you is really good. But that's going to be another situational thing. And you can usually find useful things to put in a military slot. Oh yeah, I mean, you, you're... I like to run conscription for most of the game, you know, just for the extra money. But the uh, more movement when starting in friendly territory is incredible too later on. Yeah, that one's good for uh, yeah your surprise war decks. Uh, and then, of course, there's those, those periods of the game no, where you're... It's good all war. It's not just for surprise war decks. It, like, as soon as you conquer a city, then when you start the next turn, you have more movement again. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, good point. And that tends to chain in the late game. Yeah, you're right. I find I have that bonus more often than I don't, even when I'm like doing intercontinental invasions, it's true. And then, you know, I also like to run the uh, policies um, that let you, that give you the discounts towards upgrading units. Uh, oh, know. yeah, for sure. So, you don't run them all the time, but they are you know, having, definitely worth. Having the extra military policy slot means I can run that and still have conscription going, which gives me more gold per turn to spend on upgrading the unit so I get it done faster. So, yeah, Alhambra is like a, a, also, Alhambra and po- Potala Palace, I think for me personally, would be like borderline tier two wonders. I think we've beaten the topic. I think we won. <laughs> Agreed. What do you think? <laughs> We've defeated the inanimate object concept. Cultural victory? <laughs> Domination victory. <sighs> yes, I approve. <laughs> That's you. No, we're skipping the final topic. Oh, we are. Because well, look what I... time it is. I... <laughs> I'm great. I'm Next... great at... Mackie can talk Civ all day. I didn't really give a lot of worry, a warning for that, no. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I turn over there. Wait, no. Oh, okay. And so now I have to find things. Maki's in one more topic mode. No, I am best host. Anyway, this has been episode 368 of Polycast. I'm Maka Lewin, and I'm joined as usual by me and team. Always for fun times. Mega Bears fan. Uh, I like wonders. And you cannot lie. <laughs> and Candace Albinus. I think it has to be big wonders for that to apply. Hey, you made it rhyme. Awesome. Oh, no. Civilization 3, 4, 5, Beyond Earth, and 6, Sound Clips, Copyright, Take 2 Interactive. Copyright the Polycast at thepolycast.net. Put that on the tier list, too.